Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 65. I wouldn't want to play them next. I'm your host, Danny Belts, here on the Sports Antidote, back in studio, Hurricane Ida. Really did a number uh, on Southeast Louisiana, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, quick interview coming up from Coach O. He is in the studio. Bro Exotic is back, talking about a woke fantasy draft. Tommy Bench is coming on. Bed Bath Me On. Don't know if there's time. I just popped an edible. This should be... <laughs> this should be great. We'll recap uh, the games from last week. I'm going to be telling the story regarding I wouldn't want to play them next. We're going back to the oldie but goodie women's college basketball. A game that took place in 2017 in comparison to what we liked this week. And I'll compare that directly in to White Bitch of the Week. See, it all just intertwines. I'm a genius. I'm M. Night Shyamalan. There's a twist. It all makes sense at the end. M. Night Shat Upon. That's what that last movie he made was. It was called Old or something. I give it zero stars out of five. I give it a negative two out of ten. I want my money back. I award you no points, Mr. M. Night. You're woke and may God have mercy on your soul. Let's recap last week before we get into it. Um, Texas San Antonio, we liked them the whole time. They go up to Illinois, getting seven, went out right. Line closed at four and a half. Check the box. Charlotte at home, a home dog versus Duke, getting seven and a half, right? Closed around six and a half. We liked them. They went out right. Another dog out right. Tennessee does not cover, but they did cover the 27 and a half easily. It got up to almost 35. It got over that, actually. And they did not cover. They, they, they just... They're not that good, but if you got in early, I know some people that did, some people that didn't. I know some people that teased it, but that was one where we beat the line good, and then that that helped us out. So, you know, we got off to a great start there. Uh, Florida State, if you check the Instagram account, and I should have waited the same thing with Tulane. We'll talk about that, but we, I knew that line wouldn't be what it was when it kicked, so we waited. Check our Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Uh, for these plays where we know we're going to play them, but we want to get a better line. I'm just tired of getting crap lines because I have to do this before you know Friday. So check the Instagram account at the Sports Antidote. There's usually one or two plays we're going to throw in. Well before kick, we got Florida State getting the seven, down by 18 points, 38-20. Shout out to the Cowboy. He was there. It looks like it's going to be a Notre Dame blowout, and lo and behold, they score a touchdown, go for two, make it a 10-point game. They score another touchdown. It's a three-point game. They force overtime, probably should have won a very weird, or at least extended the overtime, very very weird sequence of events there in OT, not to rub it in. ULL, really disappointed. 20-point loss at Texas. However, I don't think the score was that indicative of the talent differential. A couple plays, of course, it comes down to that. And I'm, we don't make excuses on here. It's not, but it wasn't. ULL had a chance to make that a game several times, and they did not. Tulane in the first half. My God. So we got it at 18 and a half. It closed at 20 and a half. That's an example of why I'm going to hold it from now on, because I knew it it would go up. And lo and behold, Tulane is down by 20 points even with a few seconds left in halftime. They actually have the ball with a minute left and get an improbable first down because Pratt played his ass off. Uh, And... And then they end up somehow going for it on fourth and six from the 50. Don't get it. Oklahoma has one more play. They throw it down the field, call timeout, and bang in a 58-yard field goal as time expired. If you had the 20 and a half, you lost 
Tulane covered the entire half except for the last three seconds, but they never had a chance to cover the 18 and a half, so that is an L either way. But just an example of how we're going to be treating this from now on. If I know for a fact we're going to get a better line, it's going on Instagram an hour before kick. We're going to really take, you know, after getting pounded last year by COVID on our record, we need our record to be what I think it can be. And uh, five and two is a good way to start off the football season. So I wouldn't want to play them next. You know what? Before we do that, here's Coach. Coach O, why don't we uh, pipe you in real quick? Coach O in studio usually joins us remotely, but he is right here. Coach Ed Ogeron, head coach of the LSU Tigers. What's going on, pal? Oh, go Tigers, baby. Not much. No, I just did a little bit of reverse evaporation, you know what I'm saying? Came back into town after... Um... Reverse evaporation? What? what? Well, we, we evaporated over to Texas to prepare Eva- for... Evacuated. Evacuated. Evacuate, yeah, right, yeah. right. Okay, I'm so sorry. we evacuated, you know, um, and then we we went over to L.A. and and um, we did not we did not execute all three no, phases. Coach, of the game. we didn't execute in any fit. Matter of fact, coach, this tackling was goddamn pathetic. Well, I know we did not communicate and we did not tackle on defense. We did not protect Max Johnson and we did not run the ball. And uh, you know, I'm Coach O, bitch. I take responsibility. Ain't gonna happen again. Coach, uh, you kind of defecated on the fan base as you talked about defecate. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to defecate, you know what right. I'm saying? Right, I know it, it, it was accidental defecation. Yeah, yeah, a little, I mean, it was just kind of regular. I mean, I went out and ate a lot of food with my woman and everybody, you know, that hiding from them paparazzis and all. Yeah, know. I saw you walking around with that blonde uh, before the game. Oh, you yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. She's not ugly at all. Coach. Uh, oh, yeah, I do her. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> never mind. <I laughs> wait, never mind. Yeah, you have and you are. So, Coach, uh, you play McNeese State this week. Uh, your son, Cody Ogeron, is the quarterback for McNeese State. It's only happened a couple times where this has happened. Your oldest son is going to be playing against you after this vicious loss. Like, what are you? This is actually interesting to me because, like, I know you're kind of rooting for him to do well, but at the same time, you have to win this game. Well, what's we, what's we going on? Be honest. We, we just, be, just be honest with the sports analyst as far as how much you want. Do you want your son to get crushed? You don't want that, rather. Well, what's no, going we, on? We, we don't like, we like, you know, when um, Terry Bradshaw was playing back in the day and the, the Saints, former Saints, uh, future Saints coach Jim Hazlitt stomped on his face with his cleats, or got in there, you know, get him a good. Well, I don't, I don't tell my, like, look, look, dogs, I want y'all to get on there, but I don't want y'all to sick him that hard because that's my son. You know, so I want us to. He's whoop a good him. player too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so look, it's the difference between whooping someone's ass and skull dragging them and kicking. What them about if you guys are up like, like you know, forty-eight? You know, well, I'm gonna run up the score. I mean, that's gonna happen, baby. No matter right, what. But what about if he scores? Are you gonna root against your own son? I don't. This could be rough. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just try to be stoic. You know, I'll try to be like. I like that word. Yeah, nice yeah. Word, like, yeah. I'll try to be like Belichick, except I'm not gonna look like a bum. Of course not. We have to. Well, his son looks like a bum. His son looks like the the. the Thing from uh, what's the assistant from? Uh, this is when the bum fights. No, uh, the goddamn A and E show where they cook meth. Uh, oh, intervention. Break, Breaking Bad. Oh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, baby. Jesse P- Pinkman. <laughs> oh, yeah. looks just like Bitch. Belichick's son. I really just like that. I love that. That's good yeah, show. It's good. But anyway, yeah, so coach. After that, we have Mississippi State. Oh, speaking if, of meth. <laughs> if you yeah, and if you lose to Mississippi State, coach, word is. Oh no, I'm gonna show the cowbell up their ass, baby. I'm I'm gonna. We're gonna come in there. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tear everything up, baby. They're going down. 
Do you have a guaranteed win versus McNeese State? Oh, yeah. We're going to whip their ass, and we're going to whip the Rednecks and Mississippi State's ass, too, baby. We'll, we'll have you back on prior to then, but we can guarantee a win against McNeese. Oh, yeah. I mean, put money on it, because, I mean, but I well, didn't I'm trying say that, to. Literally, it doesn't but, really work like that. But yeah, I can't. Okay. No, Coach O can't be doing no betting or none of no, this No, no, no. He can't be doing that. We understand that, Coach. All right, man. Well, guess what, man? You got your mask on. You're keeping it real. Coach, I appreciate Keep it real, baby. Keep yeah, people don't, safe. Don't, don't, Coronavirus, no hurricane. You know. Are you going to beat Alabama this year? I know that's a oh, we whipping off. ass. Oh yeah, we come. We're gonna creep up on them, baby. What? Oh yeah, cause you're beating coming. Alabama. Oh yeah, sure. Max Johnson's gonna be crunk by then, baby. Listen right here, because you know I know we had trouble protecting Max Johnson, but the boy he's good under pressure. So if he keeps getting pressure, he's gonna keep getting good. And so by the time we go to Alabama, he's gonna be getting. He's gonna be running around like Archie Manning with the Saints, <laughs> and he's gonna be good, baby. And he's going to kick some ass. We coming. Well, this baptism by fire might make him looser by the time he gets That's to right, him. baby. It's wow. coming. That's an amazing coach. Welcome coach's to the SEC, strategy. cuz. Yeah, welcome. Oh, yeah. Welcome to hell. Anyway, Coach O, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope. And we will see you next week, pal. Anything you want to say? Uh, you know, just one team, one heartbeat. I mean, Louisiana, we got hit by that hurricane, you know. But we're going to come back. We're going to whip ass. We're going to rebuild. We're going we're gonna to get a FEMA money. So I'll rebuild your house. Put the blue tarp on. And, and we get, get ready to watch the Tigers, baby. I mean, try to get by TV. Get you an uh, AM radio or something to listen to. Because I'm going to be whipping a lot of ass this year. We had a little bit of setback. But it's done now. We kicking ass. We coming. National champion, baby. Go Tigers. And Coach, why don't you end with your ender, you know. Who are you again? I am Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. We coming. <laughs> Always good to have Coach O on the show. So let's talk about February 18th, 2017. UConn is on their way to having their 100th straight victory, the UConn women's team. Now, before you, I've heard this one before. Well, a lot of people, we have a ton of new listeners that haven't, so stick around. So Tulane's women this year are average at best, and UConn is probably the most indestructible force college sports has ever seen in the time span in which they were doing this. They weren't just beating teams. They were beating the shit out of teams uh, by 40, 50, 60 points. I mean, just shattering everyone's world on their way to this ridiculous record they have to go through new orleans first to get their 99th win and my brother and i and a friend decided to go why not man uh, we go to the game we go to fulgram and it's packed it was absolutely packed it was the first time i've ever been to a game it's the first time i've actually ever been to a basketball game where they uh, the the team the other team is the best in the country i don't think i've been to a men's game i don't think i yep i don't think i have well, anyway, it was all that was expected as far as, you know, but not really. <laughs> so on this day, clearly, clearly, um, they were looking ahead. They had Notre Dame the next game to get their 100th win. Notre Dame women was the fourth in the country, and they just have to beat lowly Tulane. And boy, it almost did not happen. This would have been one of the biggest upsets in the history of mankind. You can actually bet women's basketball in college now. And Tulane was a 47-point underdog. 47-point underdog. The money line was minus the national debt. And I'm sure some fool probably took it and almost swallowed his nuts. Because this game was not as advertised. These, this coach, and let me say real quick, as a form of basketball strategy, this coach, his nuts sagged low on this day. Let me tell you what he did. He basically said, we're playing zone. 
We're packing in the most tight 2-1-2 you've ever seen in your life. We're going to try to get every rebound and hope that they can't hit 18-foot jumpers out to the th- and up to the three-point line, which is a crazy strategy being as where UConn's women were shooting somewhere around like 90% from half court. But his strategy worked. And as every time UConn looked like they were going to run away, Tulane made some plays offensively, came back. What made UConn so dominant in this run wasn't just their field goal percentage or their suffocating defense. It was the fact they got every single rebound. Not today. Not on that day. Not February 18th, 2017. I'll tell you this. Tulane out-rebounded UConn there coming into halftime. And, I mean, you could tell this dude, Gino, their coach was pissed. And speaking of which, speaking of which, most coaches have a box, you know, you can pace around on. Gino's box is half court. There was times where this dude was like literally on the middle of the floor. I'm not even making this up. Like he would walk out to the middle of the floor and the refs don't even, they don't even look him in the eye. They're so scared of him. He just runs shit. Like he just, gangster. I'm almost positive. He's like, give me a technical file. I'll kill your kids. He looks like he's in the mob. Gino must be, must be Irish. No. So every time again in the second half, it looked as though UConn's going to break their back. They got up 15 at one point, and Tulane just somehow kept coming back. They packed in this 2-on-2 zone and dared UConn to shoot. UConn shot 38% from the field that day. 38%, and Tulane held their bench, UConn's bench, to zero points. UConn's bench did not score a point. This got real hairy with a few minutes left. And I'm sitting here looking at my brother like, this is going to be like, this, this is, no one's really going to care as much, but it was going to be historical because they're a 50-point underdog. And here they are winning with about two and a half minutes left. Again, the whole game playing this zone. They put an ass on a body, got nearly every rebound. If This is what's the beauty of basketball. If you box out and you do it the correct way, size, it matters with me and Shaq. But for a two-lane center who's given up four inches to the other girl if she boxes out correctly, which she did, she's going to have to get, she's going to get a rebound or you're going over her back. So it comes down, the two lane is down by one point, one point with the basketball. Okay. No, excuse me. They're down by, they're down by one point and UConn has the basketball, but there's just enough time. There's like six more seconds ahead of the shot clock. In other words, they don't need to foul. Now, there's strategy to this. You could foul and extend the game because if you just wait till the end and they make a shot, you're probably sunk. If they make a three-pointer, the game's over. But they went with what they did the entire game, so we thought. Tulane comes out of a timeout. UConn's going to have to shoot the basketball. Tulane's not going to foul. This is the first time probably ever this man at the time has been outcoached, and outcoached he was. And let me tell you what happened. You could almost tell it was going to happen is the front two little white girls up there looked a little too anxious. They didn't look like they were going to stay in that zone. It was a stunt, in other words, and they didn't. The ball was inbounded, and then from the 2-on-2, they sprint out and up in each person's ass. I mean, they were face-up face. We had good seats. I was like, oh, my God. They went, man, UConn has no timeouts. So for 10 seconds, they dribble around. They they. I don't know what to do. I couldn't believe they couldn't just pull it out. And that's not the, I mean, they used to girls playing a man to man. For some reason, this just befuddled everyone. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't call timeout. And this little white girl have been given, they're all, they're, they're now WNBA star over there in Seattle, giving her, I don't know her name, I forgot, but all she wanted, stole the ball from her, just took it. And she's going down the court now. She's going down the court 
and she loses the basketball. This is be for the winning layup nearly. She loses the ball somehow, and then the other UConn player jumps on it, and it rolls around, and it goes out of bounds. We don't know whose ball it is. After review, it's Tulane's basketball with about eight seconds left. They have the basketball down by one, and I'm just sitting here like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. They're going to beat. They're going to ruin this team's chance to win 100 in a row. This is insane. They run a high screen and roll. They got the shot that they wanted, and the same chick for Tulane that had made like 8 of 11 from 3 had put it a little long. It hit the backboard from straight on, but it caught the front of the rim and rolls over the top, rolls right over the top. It's just unbelievable. Did not go in. UConn center got the rebound. They fouled. They made both free throws, and their half-court, full-court Hail Mary didn't go in, obviously. So 63-60 was the final score, and which was almost the greatest upset of all times. So and me and my brother are walking out of that, that arena, and I said, boy, I would not want to play them next. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I, you, like, I, would, I would love to have been in that locker room. It must have been as hilarious as when the Citadel three years ago was beating Alabama 9-6 to at halftime in football. Don't believe me? Look, you don't like it, leave. Needless to say, Alabama won the second half 63 to nothing. but I would have loved to have been in that locker room with Saban as they were trailing to an FCS team at home. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable, right? I would not want to play them next. Well, UConn played Notre Dame next, and my brother and I bet UConn minus 25 points versus the number four team in the country, and they beat them by 100. They scored 60 at half. It was like 60 to 20 at halftime, 100 to 45 final or something crazy. Oh, I would not. <laughs> we knew it too. Like I would not want to play UConn next. It's just. Sometimes in this situation, you just don't want to be in this spot, the situation. How interesting um, the situation is now in these few games here we're going to discuss right now. Before we get into next week's picks with the Molly music, let me explain situationally what we're looking at. So North Carolina, the Tar Heels, have aspirations of winning a national championship this year. Or maybe we should say had, although they still have a chance. For the first time, it looked like somebody was going to contend with Clemson from a, um, a talent standpoint, a coaching standpoint, from Mac all the way down to the coordinators, and Clemson being down this year, so we see. And North Carolina would open up in conference versus Virginia Tech. They have to win this game. They're a sizable favorite. This game stunk from the get-go. You have a ranked team on the road. That's a short six-and-a-half-point six favorite over an unranked team. Virginia Tech obviously is going to show up. They always do at home, and they did. Albeit, North Carolina lost the game. They threw two picks in the end zone, outgained Virginia Tech significantly, but lost the game. UNC now plays Georgia State. Interesting. Hmm. Georgia State. Let's talk about them real quick. They recently played the Army. They were a three-point favorite at home was Georgia State, and the Army beat them by 35, 30 points. 43 to 10 or something along those lines. They didn't even punt. After the game, Georgia State's coach had more or less a lot of excuses as Rick Shaw, one of my, one of my beat writers for all the gambling I do, if you will, Rick Shaw, shout out to him digging this one up, but he blamed it on the fact that 
One, he goes, well, we only play one team that runs the Veer slash triple option, so we didn't prepare for this because we have all year we're preparing for teams versus spread. You talk about information. Imagine if you had known that prior to this game, that they basically didn't put any work into stopping this thing because they wanted to stop the RPO because that's they're going to see all year. <laughs> Imagine, I'm going to look to see who Army plays first next week and see, see if there's a, a trend here. <laughs> so he's basically saying, yeah, I'm sorry. Then he blames it. We're not built to stop a 260-pound fullback. No, they're not, as Army just hit him for four yards a run and gashed him slowly and slowly and slowly to a blowout. Interestingly enough, Army plays Western Kentucky. Oh, remember them? We talked about them last week. And actually, that's uh, one that we forgot to put on. One, two, that's one of the wins that we forgot to I mentioned earlier, I'm sorry, uh, the fifth was Western Kentucky laying the 22 against Tennessee Martin in which they scored 59 points. Blake Zabby went for 500 yards and seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns. Displayed all of which, which I thought he could do, and Stearns, the receiver, went ballistic. Uh, we'll be talking about that. All of these games tie right in. Now, after North Carolina lost to Virginia Tech, uh, apparently, uh, this was the speech that he gave to get them ready for the Georgia State game. We have this right here. Um, Mac Brown, everyone. <clears throat> when you were a baby in your crib, your father looked down at you. He had but one hope. Someday my son will grow to be a man. Well, look at you now. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Nerds! Well, if I was you, I'd do something about it. I would get up and redeem myself in the eyes of my father, my maker, and my coach. Well, let's get those nerds! 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 What are we waiting for? These games just tie in too well, especially after that speech by Mac Brown there, insinuating that Virginia Tech was a bunch of nerds, and they are. Georgia State's coach went on to say that this whole time they were prepping for North Carolina. I personally think this man has a problem, so let me get this straight. You didn't prepare for the game at home that you were favored in that was winnable. You've been preparing for a game on the road, which is highly likely unwinnable. And on top of that, now you're saying... You just didn't even care about week one. You care more about week two against a team that still can make a run for a national championship if things pan out for them and they went out. I would not want to play North Carolina next. It's just that simple. And in this spot, if you're Georgia State, there is absolutely 0% chance that you're like, oh, sick, dude, they lost to Blacksburg last week. They're going to come out soft. They're going to come out gunning. They're going to try to destroy this football team. And destroy them, they will. You had problems stopping Army. They're going to have a big problem stopping North Carolina. But they had five starters out. Really? I just don't care. I looked at who they were, a couple running backs, a receiver. I, it just To me, it just doesn't matter. So we're starting off clean with UNC. It opened up at minus 24 and a half, and now it stands at minus 26 and a half. I got it at 25. This is not a kill number. We have to go what it is now, 26 and a half is North Carolina. 
that, that, that befuddled me as I thought this would come out around 38. And that's what scared me initially because I said, well, if I'm off by this much, I can't bet it. But the more I look into this game, the more sense it makes to me. Mac Brown has a history of doing this all the way back to when they would lose to Oklahoma every other year in the River City, whatever shootout thing with the Red River shootout. And the, whoever they played next would get sacrificed on an altar. It was always the same. Texas Tech, they beat them by 1,000. I think this mentality is transferable to this school. I think North Carolina is 100 times better than Georgia State. If you had problems stopping Army, you're going to have a tremendous time stopping North Carolina, who's got four pros on offense. One's a left tackle, one's a wide receiver, oh, and one's their quarterback. So this is going to be a very uphill battle, in my opinion, for Georgia State, who's biting off way more than they can chew with this ridiculous statement that they've been preparing for North Carolina. Well, prepare to be destroyed. So on the record, give me UNC minus the 26 and a half. God, when's the last time you've heard me talk about that? Maybe with Tennessee, but rarely do I lay the chalk. But in this instance, it just makes perfect sense. We take Georgia State in this instance. I would not want to play North Carolina next. And speaking of not want to play next, let's go back to the Army. Munkin, their coach. After they won, there's a, a Rick Shaw also found this gem. These five Army guys on this message board break down on, and on YouTube too, like every game the Army has. One of them brought to the attention that, that Munkin didn't know anything about Western Kentucky. Huh? You didn't know that they just transferred eight people with the offensive coordinator and the soon-to-be pro quarterback, Blake Zappi? You didn't know that? Well, what else don't you know? That would scare the hell out of me if I was the Army athletic director. I mean, the Army's incompetent as it is. Shout out to Tommy Bench. But at the same time, this is ridiculous. You're not preparing for them. Then he made another comment that he said, yeah, we're playing some small school from Texas, a bunch of, tra a bunch of transfers from a small school... A bunch of transfers from a small school in Texas. I don't know why he's taking pot shots. This is helping absolutely no one. As Zappy pronounced earlier, they're going to go undefeated and run the table. I think that is amazing. This line opened up at three and at four. It got pumped up to seven nearly in 48 hours, and now it sits at seven. And I don't think it's going to get above seven. But I think that people just bet Army because they're used to betting Army. I don't think people actually understand what they're looking at right now in Western Kentucky. I don't think I do either. But I'm sticking to my guns. That offensive line will be able to protect Bailey Zappi, who leads the nation in touchdowns already, albeit against Tennessee Martin. However, with that being said, seven points is way too many. And you know what we do. We don't bet a dog lest what? Lest we think they can win. Just like Texas San Antonio. Just like Charlotte. In the same situation. Except this one, they're going to be on the road. This Western Kentucky team also plays Indiana and Michigan State coming up, in which I told you. Their over or under their total was five and a half for the wins. Um, if they win this game, you can go ahead and wrap that up. And I'll tell you this, they're gonna win, they're gonna win one of those Big Ten games, but the odds makers have not caught up yet. No one's caught up yet. No one knows. It's a perfect time to jump on Western Kentucky getting the seven along with UNC. I would not want to play Western Kentucky next anyway, especially what they have going offensively. And Munkin, we'll be talking about you in one second. So you stay put. NFL's coming up, boys. We should probably talk more on that, but you know, we'll wait till after week one tonight. Dallas plays the most overrated team to ever win a Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know they return every starter. Oh, well, that's great. I said the same thing about UL, how'd that work out? But I still like UL this year. I'm not throwing them in the dumpster yet. Tampa should have lost to the Saints in the playoffs. They should have lost to Green Bay. Brady threw three picks in the second half. Everybody conveniently forgets about that. They played a limp-wristed quarterback in New Orleans. In the first round, they played the Washington Redskins. Redskins. 
who had to wheel out a guy who hadn't played in three years and <laughs> hung like 28 on him and got in a contract extension because of it. Some he was bagging groceries with Kurt Warner. They pulled him off the line. Uh, whatever his name is. Heineke. That's his name. And then they get in the Super Bowl and face the Chiefs, who are missing every offensive lineman, and it showed. Good for them. They do what they had to do. Sure, they're fine. Good. They're good. They're good. They know Kansas City. But at the same time, I'll tell you this. Dallas getting the 8.5 screams value. The public is still on Tampa. They'll be on Tampa all year. I don't like Tampa for one bit. I think this is an overrated dumpster fire of a team. And I don't care who they're playing. This is a fade against them out the gate in week one. It's going to be packed at Raven James. Ooh, for the first time ever. And I'll tell you this. I think Dallas has a chance to win the game outright. You're going to give me eight and a half points in an opener to a team that's probably going to have a hangover and thinks they're unbeatable from a 56-year-old quarterback who threw a couple touchdowns in the Super Bowl and thinks he's great. Five interceptions in the postseason and somehow they get to the Super Bowl. Okay, Tommy. I watched the Saints hit them over the head with a meat mallet twice until that bullshit game and divisional round. Give me the Cowboys plus the eight and a half. I can't believe we're doing that. It's tonight. Quick recap. UNC minus the 26 and a half. I wouldn't want to play them next. Western Kentucky plus the seven. I wouldn't want to play them next. And Dallas plus the eight. I would want to play Dallas next. But in this case, I want to play Tampa next. We'll be fading them all year. They're about as deflated, or excuse me, as inflated as a helium-type balloon up in the sky. Give me... The Cowboys. Oh, usually we reserve this white bitch of the week for more Hollywood, far left liberals, stuff like that. But in this case, no, we're not. We're going at Army's coach, Munkin, who is just you got to be kidding me. Asking if he's been preparing for this new offense. There's not much film on these guys. He's like, oh, I, I don't know. I just, we're just going to run our offense and we can beat anyone. Oh, okay, Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's great. I mean, this dude goes to, we're all playing some small school from a bunch of transfers from Texas, I hear. It's like, oh, that's, that's good. You don't think they hear that? Son, you're about to see the best quarterback you'll see nearly all year. And he's about to get up in that ass. Munkin, you're not invited to the awards ceremony at the end of the year with me and a bunch of other far-left liberals. But you, my friend, nonetheless, are white bitch of the week, and you will be paying my mortgage for the month of September. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke, Sorry, we're having some connection issues. Bro, can you tell us about this woke draft thing you did tonight? Yeah, dude. So we uh we had our uh woke and see draft uh this evening. Woke and see the woke yeah. and see. <laughs> so it's it's kinda like it's it's like a woke fantasy draft. We woke hold this every year. Fantasy draft. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's pretty Holy awesome. Holy so, shit. Yeah. So we yeah, we're in the uh woke and see PPR league. It's pretty awesome. Um I can go a little bit through my lineup if you want to hear. Oh, dude, we, the floor is yours. Yeah, dude. So, um, uh, so QB one, dude. I had to go with uh with OA, uh, AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, dude. Last year she Sound led the league. Bad. She led the league with thirty three injustice tweets per week. Uh, she ended the season with an impress uh, an impressive twenty eight Instagram uh, rushing IG picks. 
uh, by saving the environment, dude. So she's always putting in solid work week after week. Um, running back, we had to go with Greta Thunberg, dude, uh, for a few reasons. A, because uh, for gender inclusion, because there typically aren't too many female running backs selected first round of the Wilkinson League. Uh, and then B, we just refused to draft that that white running back Christian from Carolina. Uh, think about it. Yeah, pretty sure you got that one. Uh, <laughs> for what? Wide receiver, dude. Uh, No-brainer, dude. We had to start Kamala Harris because uh, having not accomplished very much significantly, you know, on her own, uh, she definitely received this role of vice presidency with open arms. She's a wide open receiver, dude. She'll receive anything that she can get. Uh, So you had to scoop her up, dude. And uh, T.E., we had to secure Elizabeth Warren. Uh, And by the way, T.E. doesn't stand for a tight end in this league. Uh, She's Native American, so we were able to start her as Tomahawk expert. Uh, she literally invented. <laughs> she literally invented the chop block, so she's she's a, a foremost expert on the uh, on that uh, position. Uh, defense and special teams, dude. So we really had to go with Jen Sackney here. Uh, nice. She, nice. Uh, she's been solid at blocking any valid question all season, and uh, she she's also uh, but she's going to be sure to circle back to it, you know, which makes it uh, makes her very effective in this league. You know, she's always going to circle back. Uh, kicking was. Uh, we had, to, we had to go with the vet here. We had a sturdy veteran uh, who obviously knows uh, which way the wind is blowing. We're going with Joe Biden. Uh, he's typically kicking with a dandelion in hand. So whichever the wind takes the dandelion, he knows which way the wind's blowing. So he's really effective <laughs> in that aspect. Uh, he's also been really good. We watched a lot of tape on him uh, during the Afghanistan, um, you know, taking up back the troops and uh, citizens. We, we noticed he was really good at kicking against the best of reporters' questions. So we think this sturdy veteran is going to be a great kicker with all reporters' questions and really just uh, make his own narrative, you know? Well, I mean, I... Oh, you had but, me uh, But, dude, but also we do have a uh, dark horse free agent. Uh, oh, Cuomo is on the bench. Yeah. Oh, please, yeah, so please do. A- Andrew Cuomo, he's, uh, he's on the bench, dude, in case we need somebody <laughs> with really good hands. In case we need someone with really good hands, dude. And, you know, he really is, now that he's a free agent, I think he's going to be a dark horse going deep in the season. Who has better hands than Andrew Cuomo in free agency? Uh, you I will mean, find uh, you will find are all over everyone. I mean, I mean, he has not dropped an ass, I mean, a pass in a long time. So this is obviously a great move for you, Shane. I, I, you know what? I got to tell you what, bro. This is one of the best, uh, What I, you know, I'm not woke like you, but, in the Woken draft you have here, this is like the dream team. Uh, sure to be, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, can you run that whole thing back one more time? Or yeah, just uh, for yeah, our so, listeners. So yeah, so dude, just a uh, just quick recap. We got uh, yeah, just a quick QB, recap on this because QB one, we have AOC uh, running back starting Greth Thunberg, <laughs> wide receiver Kamala Harris, uh, TE Tomahawk expert. We have Elizabeth Warren. Uh, defense and special teams. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be largely led by uh, by Jen Sankey, uh, and then we're going to have the uh, the sturdy veteran kicker as uh, Joe Biden, uh, of course, with uh, Cuomo on the bench, because of course we always need someone with good hands. So. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I know we don't see eye to eye, but at the same time, you give, man. So you know what, you're the man. Absolutely, dude. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm actually the uh, the uh, the pansexual. I prefer my uh, my pronoun to be a little more distinct there. So, anyway, but yes, I am the, okay. the pansexual. Uh, got it. All right. Yeah. Well, go ahead and give yourself a prefix before you get out of here, man. 
Absolutely. How do people follow you? You can uh, follow me on Instagram at broexotic, B-R-E-A-U-X, exotic. And uh, no jokes, stay woke, bro. Before you go, man, I will let you know that you are the man, bro. I just wish one day you would be so woke. Yeah, I know. Uh, again, I am not uh, cl- I'm the man. I, I'm clearly the pansexual uh, pronouns, dude. So just check your privilege, all right? Once again, I can't bust it again. God damn it. Yeah. All, right. all right, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right, dude. Cheers. Tommy Benz jumping on the sports end load. Happy birthday, pal. Thank you. Thank you. I, I attempted to tackle a 46-ounce tomahawk ribeye. I was going to ask about that. How did that what, – what is the logistics of that? So I, I did – you know, I, I ran this morning, came home, had an egg and some egg whites with some mozzarella cheese and, and a half a bagel with cream cheese and some sunflower seeds. And that was it until dinner time. I think I, I stole like four pretzels, four mini pretzels off my kid's plate at one point in the middle of the day. I mean, I stayed hungry for the rest of the day. Unfortunately, we made a mistake in getting the, the, artich- the spinach and artichoke dip as an appetizer. I shouldn't have done that. I think had I not done that, I would have been able to put away this entire 46-ounce tomahawk rib. I highly doubt that. I think I could have. I, as it stood, I, I brought about 40% of it home. But they actually gave me like a catering takeout so that I could take the whole bone, the piece attached to the is bone. There a picture? This is the old 96er from – this is it. This is the big one. It's, it's pretty close. I mean, it was, it was huge. Oh, and actually, the wooden plate it came out on had a little cluster of something that was on fire. I don't know if it was salt or something, but like a miniature fire on the side of the wooden cutting board that this thing comes out on. It was – did you was, stand up and let everyone know that you ordered the most expensive thing in the entire place? Did you at least let it, everyone? I was tempted. It, it was two bills for that single piece of meat. What? But <laughs> it, was, it was worth it. And I look forward to eating the rest of it tomorrow. Besides, everything was great. This, everything was fantastic at this restaurant. It was, it was amazing. I went to this restaurant about four months ago for a work dinner. And I said, all right, I can't order that here, but I'm coming back on my birthday. And I want every piece of that. And it was, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. A 46-ounce tomahawk ribeye. And I told the waiter, just slap it on the plate and whisper fire at it. That's and he right. knew what I wanted. One little rare. That's a man after my own heart. Uh, That's anyway, right. So let's get after it here. So, you know, you haven't been on in a couple of weeks. You know, we've had disasters over here in Louisiana. With the hurricanes, and there's been things running around. As you know, as the sports operational guy, we are 5-2 and two against the spread. This is a good start. Even you have to think this is good. We, you know? we like it. We like it. We like That's that. beating the odds. And you are the ops behind the scenes. But let's talk about what you do outside behind the scenes on this podcast. So I think you want to get right down and dirty to some, some nitty-gritty COVID stuff. And we can't get away from this. So. Can we do this in 15 minutes? or I, we, we maybe can even do it in less because it's real simple. It's real straightforward. So well, this, is, this is tackle and pin information here? What are you, the, are you the, This is block and tackle. I mean, this is just – this is the basics. This is going to be some straightforward numbers to present just We're the running facts. off tackle. Let's go here right we, here. Here we go. Straight, straight facts. Now, we all know that Hata Delta variant, and that's how you have to say it anytime you refer to it. Hata Delta variant is the scariest and worst of the variants. It is, it is just causing so much death and destruction. And, and lest anyone think we don't take it seriously, yes, I acknowledge cases are higher. Deaths are higher. Hospitalizations are higher. Although when you look at states 
that were on the leading edge of the Delta variant, they seem to be plateauing and coming down off their highs. Even Florida is starting to see a decrease in hospitalizations. Okay, so, so things might be improving, which by the way, never gets reported on. We never report on when things get better, although it'll be interesting to see as things get better, will they report on it, try to make it look like Joe Biden did anything, which he didn't. And, and you might say, oh, well, you defended Trump. No, I think the approach most of us took was it's a virus. It's going to spread. It's going to do its thing. But yeah, there's some public health measures you can put into place. But given how communicable it is, it's going to spread. Just like it'd be ridiculous to try to pin the Delta variant on Joe Biden. Look, it's a more transmissible variant. It's going to spread. It's going to spread more than the previous variants. Nobody's shocked. But, but what we can talk about and what I think is fair to be critical of, okay, we've all heard of critical race theory. Well, this is critical COVID theory. I'm going to be critical of, of the COVID hysterics that could put out there because we're starting school. And this just means those places that don't want to wear masks, they're going to stack kids up in body bags. And it's okay. There's a statistic I would like to throw out to you. And I would like to see, because I'm going to tell you a, a, a time and a place where four times as many kids were killed by something else. And we'll see if there's as much anger and righteous indignation as there is against people who maybe don't feel like wearing masks or think, I'm you know, sure. I'm young. This, is, this does not sound woke at all. I'm not sure. This, 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 this is oh, the antithesis just, of woke. Oh, Here we I go. I went to culinary school, but go ahead, bro. All right. Well, I'm going to sling some hash your way. So here we go. <laughs> through through the end of August 2021. So from January 1st, 2021 to August 2021, eight months, there were 36 children, people under the age of 18, shot to death in Chicago, in Cook County. Let me say that again. In an eight-month span, 36 children were shot to death in Cook County, which is Chicago, Illinois. Since February of 2020, so we're, we're tacking on almost 11 additional months. You can say 10 if you want to say COVID didn't really get cook, cooking until March, although we now know it was likely in our country and many other countries in the later part of 2019. So oh, it was well oh, seated. Man. There was nothing anybody, I know we're not allowed to talk about that. So since February of 2020, 20 to zero kids under the age of 19, because that's just the way they divide it. Okay, so keep in mind if one or two of those deaths was actually 19 year olds, we're not talking about the exact same age cohort, but let's let's not split hairs. Let's say 20 kids died of COVID over a 17 month period. 20 kids died of COVID over an eight month period. 36 were shot to death. You tell me what's a bigger public health crisis in Cook County, Illinois. Should, do, do we need to be worrying about nonsense about kids masking at schools or whether or not, you know, kids are going to get vaccinated? Is that really what we need to be wasting our time with? How about we actually go out there and do something about the crime epidemic? And by the way, that crime, the, the sad part is those 36 deaths are confined to a, a small number of zip codes. All you need to do is put some police in there and say, let it rip. Don't worry. Let it rip. Lock up the bad guys. But instead, we're, we're, we're demonizing the police. There's all the nonsense with the defund movement, even though they're trying to backtrack from that because they realize how unpopular it is. And they're realizing that that those actions are actually putting kids in body bags. OK, it's not anti-maskers. It's not anti-vaxxers that are leading to children ending up in body bags in Cook County, Illinois. It's people who 
who think a criminal should have significantly more rights than a police officer. It's people who think any time a police officer is executing a justified action, if the, if the perpetrator or potential perpetrator or alleged perpetrator is somebody of color or in some disaffected group, ipso facto, whatever the police officer is doing is wrong, regardless of the fact that oftentimes in a lot of these big cities, the police officer, him or herself, is a person of color. So I, I, I'm just, I, I really, I've reached it a long time ago, but I am fully at the point. I don't want to hear people talk about kids and COVID unless you're equally applying equal interest to these sort of situations. And this is just one example. You know, Chicago happens to be the worst. Baltimore's up there. They've got a number of kids ending up in body bags due to gang warfare and, and crime. New Orleans. New Orleans is right there in the top five. I mean, you want to get there in the city. I live in this place 40 miles north, and they are number three per capita. Uh, fact. Go check that. If you didn't so, know how bad it is in New Orleans, I mean, are you surprised? No. No, of course not. Of no. course we're not surprised. And I'm sure it'll get better with the recent storm damage and, you know, breakdown of government services. And, yeah, but stop uh, talking about state. Afghanistan, talking about, you know, God knows whatever. But yeah. Right. At least we're not talking about Afghanistan. Now, a- another tragedy of epic proportion related to COVID, Top Gun 2 has been delayed yet again. I can't believe this. By the way, this is a big deal for me and a big deal this for is- you. This is huge. We've been waiting 30 years for this movie. It was supposed to come out. It was supposed the summer of 2020 was going to be glorious. A July 4th weekend debut of Top Gun. Once again, I I, we'll go off the cuff. Tell everyone what you wanted to happen in theater during and after. Do you remember this? First off, I think you need to go in there. Jeans, taped up hands, baby oil all over. Yes, and and just just you just don't know if an impromptu homoerotic volleyball game is going to break out. Right if it is, if start. it is, you want to be involved. I'm in. I'm in the slider yeah. tricep shot. I mean, we're we're in. I'm gonna I am gonna start working out in preparation for this. And the other thing that needs to happen is they need to walk in there and say, if you're under the age of thirty, get out, out, because you don't you can't appreciate how long we have waited for this movie. So then, is the plan is then we watch Top Gun. 24 hours and then we come into the sequel or how is that? I think so. Or, or at least I'm, I might buy three tickets in a row and watch the sequel just three times. I mean, we just, I feel the need. I mean, I, Tom, I was inverted, but I mean, you know, the thing that really kills me the most is that now the Chinese have cost us. And I don't know when we're, all right, let's not go on the rabbit. No, they, no, they've cost so us 600,000 lives and us- two years. And two years of waiting for what will undoubtedly be one of the greatest, if not the greatest sequel of all time. Uh, it just, it has to be. It has to be. So now I've got to wait until May of 2022 before I can see a movie I've been waiting 30 years for. Ever since, you know, I just turned 38. I was about seven or eight the first time I saw Top Gun. You know, I used to fast forward through the kissing scene because no seven or eight year old is interested in that. Let's get to the dog fights. Let's get to jet fighters. Get these MIGs. Let's get these MIGs. And, and I, I, I just, the indignation I had, if I were the president, I would seriously be asking the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, I need a battle plan put together to take China out. And they're like, oh, well, what's your strategic objective? That there is none. This is punishment. This is punishing them for delaying Top Gun 2. Unless somebody think I'm not serious, I'm serious. Deadly serious. This is unbelievable what they have wrought upon the world and the consequences therein. 
We have talked they about need to be held to account. this movie for years. Tailgate. We have. You don't even drink much anymore. You drink three Michelob Ultras, and that's it for you. And that's it. And yeah. that's it. For me, like, uh, that's how it gets started. And then my wife changed the locks. Uh, you know, usually. It's... <laughs> but uh, I just really hope that this changes. And I, I, if, if Top Gun does not come out, I fully think. I, I will riot in the street. I, you want to attack? We will riot in the street. I don't know if we'll start at William and Sonoma or Crate and Barrel. I don't know where we start when we riot, but uh, you know, I don't know where Republicans start when it's our turn to riot. In front of Rob Reiner's house. How about that? We can start that, there. That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. Uh, lest anyone else? think I'm inciting violence, I'm not actually advocating for oh, violence. Except for except except the except for well, the insurrection, the worst day in history. But lest lest we forget, this is the Chicom's fault. By the way, there is one last thing I'll touch on. So the intercept, and I haven't had a chance to read the entire article, but I've read a few clips. They, they've essentially walked through and proven that nearly everything Anthony Fauci said about the NIH's involvement in funding, whether directly or indirectly gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Everything he's ever said is false. It was, in fact, being funded. And if, if you are listening to this and you are hearing this, and you think there's any chance that this virus came from anywhere other than inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the only question now is, was it accidental or not? And I do think it was accidental because I don't think they'd be stupid enough to release it in their, within their own country. You know, if they wanted to test it, they would have... They would have let it out at like the concentration camps that they keep all the Uyghur Muslims in. But but the fact that that's not that we haven't just I mean, we we have, quote, settled science on what the temperature is going to be 100 years from now. Right. In the future. But we can't even have settled science where there's too many pieces of circumstantial evidence. We walked through this a few weeks back. Enough circumstantial evidence becomes proof. Right. Enough things line up and you say, look, that's there's just no other way. Anything else is possible. And the fact that they are not going to be made to pay for this, both financially um, in terms of stunting their, their attempts at worldwide hegemony and trying to, trying to run the show and be the sole remaining superpower. And we're just going to step back and let it happen. Uh, we, we deserve it. We deserve the consequences of that. If we're not willing to draw the line in the sand and say, because of what you have wrought upon the world, there will be consequences. And the consequences are this. But instead, Joe Biden's checking his watch to see how much time until his next ice cream break. Yeah, terrible. Anyway, that was awful to see that. But all right, buddy. Well, you know, always good to have you on. Uh, we do have to kind of skit scat and caboodle here. But uh, anything you want to close with here? I believe we're lining up a special guest next week. Can I can I tease that and throw that out there? I actually didn't want to do this now but you know what why don't we go ahead and do it right now go ahead and do it so one of my um uh, one of my peers somebody who served in the marine corps around the same time i did uh, similar background in terms of school and being an infantry officer but he actually deployed to afghanistan uh, my two deployments were to uh, the beautiful country of iraq which is still a functioning democracy as i remind some of my buddies uh no all kidding aside we're gonna have uh friend of mine on to talk a little more about Afghanistan, get some more direct insight and, and thoughts on what has recently occurred and not just your typical, like, Oh, it's so terrible. It could have been avoided. He's ready to talk specifics, you know, what it means by some of the specific technologies that were captured by the Taliban. Um, you know, some of the things he utilized a, a little more insight, a little bit deeper into 
sort of the cultural challenges of the country and uh, looking forward to that. It should be good. It's going to be great. And uh, yes, and I, I didn't want to get this out there yet, but that's fine because at the same time that we'll put this out there on Instagram here in the next few days, but yes, having him on here is going to be great because I don't think anyone actually understands. I really, if you pulled and now we're going to go deep here, I don't care. But if you pulled like, I don't know, the entire country and ask them why were we in Afghanistan, I feel like most would say, like, uh, war for oil. Uh, right. Like, like, nobody has any reason why we're there and how we had to fortify that early and how many people died when we first got there and then how many people didn't die in, you know, you know, in the last, the last 18 months. Yeah, exactly. These are the stats everyone knows, but I do, you know, you were never in Afghanistan, so you can't comment Correct. on that. Correct. So, we so we'll bring somebody some- on who can. Okay, there we go. So that's all we want. So, so this perpetuates the sports analytics to another level once again uh, as we continue to win games, uh, not be woke, and bring on people that have actual opinions on what's actually happening in society today, aside from watching Anderson Cooper uh, just completely. I'm not going to use the adjective I want to use right now. But anyway, thanks for jumping <laughs> on the sports analytics once again, Tommy Bench. Anything you want to close with? Nope. All good here. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you next week with your homeboy from uh, the Marines in Afghanistan, all right? All right. Out here. Semper five. Oh man, I'm lit. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote episode number 65. I wouldn't want to play that next. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Rate, subscribe, and view. Reach out and touch, brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. We're 5 and 2. We're going to be 8 and 2 when this is all said and done. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Keep it real, Antidotions. I got it made. I got it made. I got it made.